Phil, we're almost done with another election season, and election seasons around the newspaper mean endorsements. Yeah, yeah, you need to put quotes, air quotes around almost done because we have another <laughs> week of this stuff to go. To that, go, but uh, That's true, but we have now met with 22 candidates for the legislature. That's a lot of candidates. And we have six more coming in who are running statewide. You mean we, candidates for office like governor, attorney general, and U.S. Senate? That's right. And this Sunday, we will unveil all of our Assembly and Senate endorsements. And then the following weekend, I think we're going to endorse in the governor's race. And the weekend after that, the U.S. Senate race. Who will we endorse? Ooh. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know most of them now. I know, I know, I know a we handful We just talked of them. about them. We talked about it. We had as a, an editorial board. We had a very useful, productive meeting as a board. Uh, to discuss our endorsements, and we came to, I think, an, uh, some good conclusions. Yeah, I think so. A lot of these races, uh, partly because of redistricting, they're not really competitive, and you wind up with an incumbent who's knows a lot more and is a much stronger candidate than the weak challenger because— Who the, is very earnest. Yes. <laughs> That's a joke we have in the editorial board, is that if, if we call you earnest as a candidate, it means you're never getting our endorsement. Uh, I don't know about Never. Maybe they'll get better the next time around. Maybe. There were a lot of earnest people. I mean, really, it's it's great that all of these candidates run for office. It takes a lot of effort. And also, if you want to win a lot of money, which means asking a lot of people for money. And it also takes an ability, I think, to think on your feet and be creative and have some interesting ideas. That's and have right. a personality that people like and that is engaging and people can relate to. And somehow Tammy keeps getting elected. <laughs> and so today on uh, Center Stage, the Wisconsin State Journal's political podcast from the Sensible Center of Wisconsin Politics, we're going to talk about our endorsement process. We're going to give you a sneak peek of Ooh. at least one of the biggest endorsements we're going to do for legislature this Sunday. And then we'll talk about why we do these and maybe recall some of the stranger things that have happened at past meetings with candidates. I'm Scott Milfred, the editorial page editor of the Wisconsin State Journal. And I'm Phil Hands. I'm the editorial cartoonist for the Wisconsin State Journal. And we are half of the Wisconsin State Journal editorial board. The better looking half. First of all, when we talk about endorsements, I want to clear up one thing which people often mistake endorsements for. What's that? We're not predicting who we think is going to win the race. That's right. Sometimes people think these are predictions. These are not predictions. These are who we think is the better candidate. I think the other thing that confounds certain people about our endorsements is we may pick a conservative Republican in one seat, and we may pick a very liberal representative uh, or, or challenger in another seat, and they don't understand how we can do that. But I think if you met both candidates... And you would board, understand. You might understand it. A lot of people, when they get mad about an endorsement and call me, I sometimes will say, have you ever met the other candidate? Yeah. And if you haven't, maybe you want to weigh the two against who might be the better representative for this individual district. It's not just all politics. Some of it is who actually knows what they're talking about, who really knows their community? That's right. I mean, you and I both live in the city of Madison. 
And we're talking to candidates who uh-huh. represent some very rural areas, actually. Yeah. So in some cases, we, we will endorse them because we think they are best suited to represent their community, even if we don't always see eye to eye to them on every issue. We may have sometimes some pet issues that we're asking specifically about because we want to know about them. But at the same time, I think generally we're trying to find candidates who are pragmatic, who can work across the aisle, who have at least some record of independence. I think generally that's at least what I'm looking for. As one candidate who we endorsed said, we want candidates who can get blank done. (laughs) It was the S word. An S word, yeah. Yeah. The State Journal, of course, has been endorsing for, gee, almost all of its history going back 180 years. Longtime podcast listeners will know that we endorsed uh, Abraham Lincoln. That's right. We got that one right. We also endorsed Joseph McCarthy. Joseph McCarthy. So we get some wrong. Got that one very, very wrong. It seemed like a few years ago, there was kind of a buzz of, why are newspapers still endorsing? This is out of date. It doesn't make any sense. They shouldn't do it. And in fact, there were uh, some newspapers that decided not to endorse political candidates because they thought that... (laughs) Journal Sentinel. (laughs) But that was way overstated, even when there were some prominent newspapers like the Milwaukee newspaper and Chicago Sun-Times and others that said they weren't going to endorse. By the way, our newspaper, the Wisconsin State Journal, is one of the top 100 biggest newspapers in the country. And of those 100, it was still 80-some were endorsing. Yeah. And some of those that weren't endorsing traditionally never endorsed. Like the Wall Street Journal doesn't endorse candidates. Oh, okay. But most papers do, and they do it because, A, they've been doing it for a long time and people expect it. And I think, B, when you have an opinion page and you're offering your opinions on things that affect the community, why wouldn't you weigh in on arguably one of the things that affects the community the most? Who are going to be our leaders? And I like to say we'd like people to vote for the people that we endorse, but at least, at the very least, it stimulates conversation and gets people thinking about races and candidates they might otherwise be thinking about. I think yeah. it's really good to, you know, how awesome is it that you have a group full of dedicated maybe somewhat smart journalists meeting with these candidates to meet with them in person and tell you what we think about them. Yeah. I think that's a a very valuable service that we provide. Now, one thing we're not playing here, it would be nice to have clips from our uh, meetings, but we sort of on purpose don't videotape or record these meetings usually just because we want them to be a relaxed meeting. We don't want people to clam up or start pitching their talking points to us. Yeah, it's a conversation. Actually, explain how we have these meetings, because it is interesting. First of all, it's the editorial board, not the news reporters who endorse candidates. Phil, you and I are on the opinion page, and we are very different from the journalists who just find out the facts and report them. That's most of the newsroom. Yes, that's most of us. But we're over on the editorial page, so our job is to... They completely pu- ignore facts. No, 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 I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, is to also find the facts and interview people, but then to say what we think about the facts and hopefully help the community decide what's the best direction to go. So the endorsements are the opinions not of the uh, newsroom. They're the opinions of the editorial board, and on the editorial board at this moment... Uh, for only a few days is our new publisher, Tom Wiley, uh, just took over for John Humanick. 
And we also have uh, John Smalley, who is the top editor at the paper. We have myself, the editorial page editor, and uh, Phil is also on the editorial board. So it's four of us, and we typically interview these candidates who come in as many as four at a time. Often they're not even in the same race, Yeah. although I try to make sure it's not just all candidates from one party. Ideally, we'd have two and two. Yeah. And it's more just a conversation about issues. We bring up issues, they bring up issues, and we talk about the future of the state and what's important and what is at stake in this election. I will say, I actually prefer if we don't have opponents in the same room together because they get snippy. They (laughs) They start picking at each other and... It gets we stop talking about issues and start getting into politics, which isn't really the whole point of the endorsement process. The endorsements are coming this Sunday. We could talk just about a few of them. I mean, some of these races are not much of a contest. Yeah. For example, um, I guess I don't need to say who we endorse, but it, it will probably be pretty obvious. But. John Erpenbach, for example, a longtime state senator, is running for re-election. He almost always wins by a large margin. It's a it's a district, Senate district west of Madison. Middleton uh, area yeah, and district, Cross Plains. District 27, it tends to lean left, and he often goes without opposition. This time, uh, Casey Helbach. Small business owner. Also from uh, Madison. He's uh, running as a Republican against him. Um, I don't think Casey even thinks he's going to win that race. No. And Uh, Erdenbach's been doing this for a long time, and he kind of knows everybody, you know, at the Capitol um, in sort of a good way, not necessarily a bad way. But he is a guy that can kind of work with people at the Capitol. Yeah. Yeah, But we still have him in. I mean, that's the other value, I think, of this process of having candidates in every election is – we get to see them. Yeah. You know, whether we endorse them or not, almost always they come in. So thank, thanks to all of, almost all of them for that. And we get to see them, meet with them, talk about some issues. And when you meet with somebody in person, they're a person. They're a person. And they make a lot more sense than if you just pretend they're this uh, evil person who has crazy views and never actually sits down and talk to them because almost all of these candidates – are interesting and have some good ideas. Almost all of them are reasonable. You'll say almost all of them. I, I will say that, Ka- <laughs> that Casey, who was running against Erpenbach, who was not getting our endorsement this time around, yeah. Mr. Hallbuck, sometimes in these Dane County seats, we'll get sort of a far right-wing crank who just runs for the sake of running. Casey's not that guy. He was very yeah. engaging, humorous, seemed very moderate. I liked him a lot. I liked him a lot, too. Yeah. He just didn't seem to have a deep grasp of a lot of issues and didn't seem to be that committed to the race. Um, yeah, he would be a wonderful candidate. Put for, him on the Dane County board, man. Yeah, Dane County board. They could use they could use somebody like him on the Dane County board. City council seat if he's if he's out uh, I think he's out sort of on the west side. He's doing a service in that he's forcing Erpenbach Erpenbach had to come in and meet with us. He did and he has to say, "Hey, here's why I still deserve this seat." And so here, here for Casey Hallbach. Yeah, I mean, it's a public service. Having said that, I think that if it was a more competitive seat, you'd be getting, say, a moderate conservative in Western Dane County who maybe is on a village board and uh, would be running against Erpenbach, and Erpenbach would be much more concerned about his challenges. Because the Republican Party of Wisconsin is not putting a lot of money into this seat. <laughs> no. They're not, they're not, they're not. I would con- say approximately zero. Approximately zero, you think? <laughs> yeah kind of gets back to redistricting where they draw these lines. I mean, if you drew the lines 
without all these crazy uh, political reasons to carve certain communities in and out of districts for political uh, gain, you'd have more competitive seats and then you'd have more people running. If you had to say, well, what's the most important uh, thing to the Wisconsin State Journal editorial board, it's not going to be conservative politics. It's not going to be liberal politics. It's going to be good government and open government. Open government. And gerrymandered districts that keep people from voting, you know, that, that divide up constituencies in a way to maximize votes for either party is bad government. It's not yeah. good government. I think we tend to lean left on, uh, I certainly do, on social issues and, and lean right on fiscal issues. So if that's where you're at, there aren't a whole lot of candidates that fit that description neatly, which I think is partly why in some races we'll go with the Democrats in some places with the uh, Republicans. That's right. We don't only endorse Democrats, just so you know. In some elections, we've endorsed more Republicans than Democrats. What was the breakdown this time around? We of our. I think so far, and this is not counting statewide races, I believe we on this Sunday will endorse six Democrats and four Republicans. Having said that, one of the Democrats we are picking, Sheila Stubbs, only Democrats ran in the race. Yeah, she ran basically. <laughs> she, she, she won the primary and is running unopposed. Yeah, we, have, we endorsed her in the primary. There were four Democrats, and now she's running unopposed. Uh, we are endorsing her, obviously, in the general, too. But obviously, we had to endorse a Democrat. Only Democrats were running. That's right. And that actually happens a lot in and around Madison. But one race where we're going with a Republican this time is way down in southwestern Wisconsin. As far southwestern Wisconsin as you can get. Yeah, we're endorsing uh, Travis Trannell again. He's a farmer, dairy farmer from Cuba City. In, one of the uh, only dairy farmers left in the in the in the assembly too. So uh huh. In District Forty Nine. I mean, he seems like he's very knowledgeable about especially agricultural issues, which is key to his district. Yep. Um, you know, he, he said he was um, open to nonpartisan redistricting. He says, I'm right next to Iowa. It works fine for them, so we can try it here. That's right. In fact, he said he would vote for it. Travis also is somebody who has shown some independence on things. He's disagreed with the governor on some of the rural issues. He spoke eloquently during this meeting about immigrants and how important they are Passion, to the... I would say passionately yeah, and, to the far, and to, compassionately about immigrants. You to know. the farm economy. He wants... Not that he can fix anything about it as a state legislator. But he can write letters. They can, you know, he can influence people higher up than him and his party. And he's, a, you know, that's significant when a guy like that says, these people are getting up at three in the morning, busting their butt, and that's what America is about, is giving people a chance. Yeah. And if somebody wants to come here and milk my cows, you know, and do it for a, a decent wage, let's, let's you know, make it happen. And he know. can't get people otherwise. Yeah. He says a lot of farmers can't. Yeah. But anyway, that he's running against Mike Mooney. I thought Mike Mooney was a good guy. Uh, he's from Platteville. I thought uh, less experienced, less knowledgeable. You know, he's been involved in Democratic politics, I think, to some degree. But again, it's a challenger who you know, doesn't bring a whole lot of experience to the table. He hasn't been in public service before. Uh, he's matching up against somebody like Travis Trannell, who's been dealing with a lot of these issues intricately for a long time. It seems, pretty, seems pretty involved in his community, too. I would say one of our themes of candidates is if you're going to run for the assembly, it's good to have some sort of experience in local service, whether it's a town board or a city council. We seem to like that in, in candidates for the most part. 
Or maybe you've got some other experience that is really important. Some of these cases, I mean, they're good people. They're all good people. And they've got life experience, but they don't necessarily bring that expertise in something that directly relates to their district and to their constituents and state government and their yeah. service. Let's get to the big one then. When it, well, <laughs> that's why I was talking about service, because I was trying to segue into the big one. Because Probably, yeah. The, the race that most people will be curious about. And, and what, it affects the most people in a readership, probably, because it's a Senate seat. Yeah, it's District 17. This is a Senate district down in southwest Wisconsin. And it's uh, Howard Markline is the incumbent from Spring Green. Chris Marion is the challenger, Democratic challenger from Blanchardville. Howard, who we endorsed last time and have endorsed a couple times also when he was was a representative, he's an accountant, he's a really sharp guy. Knows numbers, knows the budget. I like him a lot. He won 55% four years ago to 46% to a Democratic challenger who... I just thought was a really bad candidate. Yeah. Uh, the guy had only been in the district for a couple of years and just had an odd way of attacking the uh, incumbent. And Howard Markline seems like a pretty good fit for that district. He grew up on a farm. He was good with numbers. Anyway, what are we doing here, Phil? We're this gonna... was one we talked about, I think, this by was the far top, this the This was the most. toughest call for us. And this could potentially control the balance of the Senate. We're, in, we're endorsing Chris Marion. <laughs> we are endorsing the Democrats. So we're, even though we endorsed Mark Line last time. So you want to talk about that a bit? Well, I just, I found Chris Marion to be very engaging. She's not from, she's been in the district for a while, but she's not originally from there. She kind of chose to live in the district. She, she spent a lot of time in Chicago. And, you know, she's, she's sort of there living in rural Wisconsin by choice. And uh, she spoke, I think, very eloquently about what it takes to attract people to that area of the state, which is beautiful. And but she, you know, she has some really good ideas about how to attract people and how to make how to keep people in that part of the state, because the biggest issue facing southwest Wisconsin right now is a worker shortage. Yeah. And she taught she cited that study uh, where they had interviewed people, sort of targeted young family type people who would be ideal to move there and live there. They're the kind of people they need in southwest Wisconsin. And I love uh, this statistic. Yeah, she said one of the things that a lot of them say they want is something to do downtown for a couple hours. Yeah, two hours, small of acti- town. two hours of activity in a, down- in a small town downtown. Yeah, so you can push the baby carriage downtown and maybe get a bite at a coffee shop or go to a hardware store and look around, or maybe there's an activity for your kids. Anyway, she and her husband have a farm. Yeah. Uh, They want to run an award-winning bed and breakfast. She kind of gained some prominence when she was uh, on the cookie bill. She was one of these uh, farm ladies who likes to make sweets and and, uh, sell them, and it was illegal for them to do it. Yeah. And she and some others got together and helped fight to change the law, actually in court, when they couldn't get it through the legislature. Yeah, because the legislature kind of pulled it at the last minute. They won, and now you can do kind of small batches of bakery goods and other things, treats, and sell them as an entrepreneur. I don't know. She, she serves on the town on the on the, on the county board. That's down the other big thing. Yeah. County. So she she seems to have a lot of pragmatism. She talked about coming out as a Democrat to her fellow town board or county board <laughs> members, you know, and that and the people were kind of surprised to learn that she was considered herself a Democrat because of her pragmatism. So yeah, she definitely seemed like a very moderate, pragmatic person. 
And I sure very hope, engaging. And if she if she wins, I sure hope she maintains that. I hope she doesn't yeah. become a fire throw a, a firebrand who is going to be shouting down people and lobbing verbal bombs like some uh, members of the legislature do. It was a really tough decision because uh, Howard Markline. I mean, if you're down in that area, Howard Markline's on joint finance. So he's been in the Senate just one term. He's already on joint finance, which is the committee that doles out money. So yeah. that's not something small that you give up somebody with that kind of power. Having said that, I mean, our frustration with Senator Markline is you kind of sense there's things he wants to do and say to his caucus, but he's kind of timid about doing them. Yeah. Like he, he supported uh, Foxconn, which isn't all that popular in southwestern Wisconsin. Hey, you can make he makes actually a strong argument for Foxconn. We think the state paid too much for it. Yeah, but it's but, not a disqualifying vote no, to vote for, I mean, Vox, for Foxconn. But then when we said, okay, well, how about extending it? You know, this is a once-in-a-lifetime deal here with Foxconn. Are we going to extend and start paying the payroll of Kimberly Clark, an old-school paper company up in the Fox Valley? And he, he said, well, he, I got concerns about that. But he wasn't one of the Republicans who were saying, no, we're not going to do that. No, and that's not the free market. That's not how the free market works. you got to sense that's what he thought. But he wasn't going to say it. But he that. wasn't going to say it. And then on... Uh, the nonpartisan redistricting, it seems pretty clear that he knows that, yeah, this isn't the best way to do it. And he says, yeah, I'm by Iowa. They say that, that you know, that it's it's a fine way to go and I would consider it. But, you know, we kind of get to the point of, well, okay, but he sort of th- he do sort you of, support, will you vote for it? And he won't say. I felt like when we asked him that question, it, he looked at us like nobody's ever asked him that question before, which was bizarre. It just It just seemed... Like, he, he just sort of played dumb on the whole issue. I think he makes a valid point that that district isn't really redistricted for him. I mean, he's got arguably the most competitive seat there is. Probably, yeah. Most in the Senate, yeah. anyway. But our point was, yeah, but what's the right thing to do here for the state? And this is like, you know, I really get frustrated on the nonpartisan redistricting comes up because, you know, everybody on the right is like, oh, sure, you want to do that just because Republicans were in power. And it's like, no, we were pushing this when Democrats had a lock on power. Yeah. And in fact, we were really frustrated and called them out when they didn't do it, when they had the chance to do something to get a nonpartisan system in. And we've lamented what a joke redistricting is in Chicago and oh, Illinois, yeah. where the Democrats run roughshod over the Republicans. And sometimes right now in Wisconsin... Partisan gerrymandering hurts Republicans. Ron Kind now has a safe seat. And, like, we're looking at a young man like Travis Trannell, who maybe he's the kind of guy who'd be a congressman someday, you know, down in yeah. southwest Wisconsin. But he can't win that seat It's it's because it, it's got so many – it's grabbed so many blue parts of the state to be so redistricted to be a safe seat for Ron Kine. You're talking about the 3rd Congressional District. The 3rd Congressional District. Yeah, yeah, they made that more Democratic so that then Sean Duffy's up north could be more Republican. Yeah. So if you're, yeah, if you're Travis I'd Trannel. I'd much rather have Travis Trannel as a congressman than Sean Duffy. Let's say you live down in southwestern Wisconsin in Howard Markline's seat. Yeah. Well, if you don't like Ron Kine, who's a Democrat, guess what? You're, you're stuck, stuck with, with him yeah. until he decides to leave because that district has been designed to help Democrats. So there's one anecdote that I heard when we, uh, we had some candidates coming that was I thought was really interesting. And I, I don't want to name names, but there was one person who was running for assembly who was, you know, kind of wondering if they wanted to run again if they if this didn't go well for them. Oh, yeah. And a person who was running for Senate in the same district said, well, you know, you can have, you can have the signs. You know, you can keep your signs. You know, I have my signs from the last time. 
I ran for for office, and the person's husband. Another person with the with this person said, "You know what? I've got to pick up the signs neighborhood anyway, so I'll just pick up yours too, and we can save them for next time." Yeah, yeah. And you know, another nice moment I thought was you had uh, Todd, two representatives from different parties, Todd Novak and Don Vruink. Uh Novak's a Republican, Don Vruink's a Democrat, and just by chance, I mean, they get to pick the time they come in. I we give them lots of dates, and they pick one that works for their schedule. They happened to come into the same one, and they were just so chummy. Yeah, it was and like... And talking about things they could work it felt of, like it, it felt like it was 5 o'clock them. at the local tavern, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, those guys seem like uh, they should sponsor more legislation together. Yeah. I will say that my overall impression from endorsements is I get, I get um, re-energized about government. You know, you realize yeah. that these people... Are all really good people, and they're all running for the right reasons. They're all—they're all there to make the world a better place. Now we don't always agree with them, but nobody's there. Is nobody is running to get rich off the off a state government or to cut deals for their their buddies? They're all running because they—they want to make they want to serve their community and make the world a better place, and that's reassuring. Find and follow our podcast, Center Stage with Milford and Hands, on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. All the music on our podcast is by Tube Tester. You can check out past episodes on the World Wide Web at go.madison.com slash centerstage.